You're listening to a DM podcast. G'day and welcome back to Behind the Podcast with Jules and Stocks. Today, Stocks and I went behind the podcast with Liz Keane and Simon Portis from The Long Haul. Stocks, there are certainly no shortage of sports content out there, but The Long Haul takes a deeper look into the psychology behind the athletes and the reality of professional sports. What do you think about it? Yeah, completely agree. There's no shortage of uh, ex-athletes or punters and dribblers uh, talking into microphones in a conversational style podcast. I love them, but yeah, there's a few. Uh, This is a really interesting chat. These guys uh, have a production company called Headline Productions and that was primarily a video production company and they're part of this really emerging trend of people from video production backgrounds moving into podcasts. I'm all for it. Uh, It means there's a lot of talent coming through uh, on the production side of podcasting, but really interesting chat. Well, why don't we hand over to Liz and tell us about how the show came to be. Liz, tell us about The Long Haul. Essentially, The Long Haul is a look at the culture of sport in Australia, so sort of scraping beneath the surface. Um, we, we just really felt that there was there's a lot of sport content in Australia, obviously, because we love our we sport. We love our sport, yep. Oh, we do, yeah. <laughs> um, but a lot of it is, is sort of just looking at the mechanics of sport but not a lot kind of going beneath the surface of what sport is. And it really does um, sort of epitomise everything of our society. You know, you look at at racial issues, issues of sexuality. I mean, you know, issues that are inherent in our society are all brought up in sport. Um, And that's what the long haul is doing, really, is looking behind the curtain. Yeah, and you've sort of broken it out into it's almost kind of phases across an athlete's career. Do you want to talk a bit about the format of the show and and sort of what the thinking was behind there? And then I suppose the genesis with uh, Emma as well and how you brought everyone on board. Yeah, well, the format of the show is is more about thematically per episode. So, yeah, but sort of we're looking, you know, the process of like children going through Mm. um, what what it is that drives kids. I guess there's been a lot of discussion, for example, like that's a good example. Like there's been a lot of discussion around. kids being abused in sport which is horrific and we need to talk about that more like that's a really important conversation but we felt that alongside that there isn't this there hasn't really been a conversation about what it is that drives kids like what is it that makes one 13 year old decide that they're going to be the best in the world you know and so we sort of wanted to look at that theme and and unpeel that which doesn't mean that there's not a conversation that needs to be had around abuse of kids in sport like that, you know. is, it, is Absolutely. It well, there's a very interesting, I think it's one of Malcolm Gladwell's books, Outliers, where he talks about Canadian hockey players born in the first two months of the year being more likely to become professional athletes. And then you kind of go through and debunk that a little bit with this, uh, I can't remember the exact word for it, but it's this underachiever type of underdog spirit that kids born later in the year who might have physically developed later will develop more skills yeah, catch up. and maybe a stronger mentality. It was fascinating stuff. Yeah, and a lot of that psychology behind sport is is really fascinating from a listener's perspective. And for us, uh, for us, it was really about what do you think about when you're watching sport, and what are you thinking about that you wish you knew that doesn't get covered. And so that's what really drew us into the long haul and getting and getting into the topics that we thought about you know, and thought, well, no one ever's really done that. And you know, I mean, sports betting is a classic example as well. It's a really such a huge. Um, major impact on our society and and we don't really talk about it we sort of talk about it in a way that's 
like I think in that episode, in a way, that it, it's it's a hard one because it's critical, obviously. But um, you know, still in our society, I think it's incredibly normalised that that betting and sport go hand in hand. And when you look at that as a cultural thing within sport, and that um, it's becoming synonymous with sport, you know, like we're, we're actually it's the same thing, you know, sports betting and and sport is kids are getting into it from a community level, which is really confronting. And so that's what we're, you know, really excited to, to explore those sort of areas that we don't really think about. We think about, but we don't really go into. Yeah, the ages behind some of the sports betting statistics and who's being targeted was very confronting and quite shocking to see. Are you both sports nuts or how did you land on, on this as a direction? I think we could classify Simon as a sports <laughs> No, I'm a sports nerd. I'm a I'm like a, a president of a soccer club as well. <laughs> a volunteer so, volunteer role. So like, like I, yeah, I'm I'm very very into sport. Um, and I play a lot of sport, but it, it was more yeah. As, as Liz said, it's more about the culture of sport, and I think that's why I'm interested in sport and what it represents and how it engages kids, um, how it engages communities, uh, and what that does for a society. Yeah, I mean, I, I love, like, w- when I'm watching something and I'm really engaged, like, obviously, like, Ash Barty's, you know, final, I mean, the whole country watched that, right? And I was alongside everyone there. And <laughs> we the all watched her press ca- conference when she broke our hearts and quit tennis. I know. Yeah. Devastating. Although, you know, good on her. Like, that's why we love her, right? Yeah. So, you know, I am definitely ha- have a love and an understanding of sport, but not, I, I don't watch it all the time. For me, it's definitely more about, about the culture side, yeah. Not so, not not quite so obsessed. Tell us about uh, finding Emma Murray. How did how did you get involved with her? Yeah, I mean Emma's just such an inspiration. Like she's such she's such an an amazing woman to work with. Um, we liked what we liked about her is we spoke to a few different people, um, and and there were two things I think we really, or there were three things that we really loved about Emma. One is that she's just got this natural innate curiosity. And she really brings that to the interviews. Like she's interested. Like even in in episodes that she she doesn't have much knowledge in, say like the Blackest Day, where we're looking at that story of the Blackest Day in, in sport. Like that was something she'd never really had much connection with, and she doesn't have a journalism background. But she was just curious and and interested, and had a, an interest in in humans. Um, but she also does have a huge backlog of of knowledge in sport, which really drove us to want to work with her but the other thing is you know she she wants to learn like so so if you're giving it like you know so it was made like I one of the things we did when we started I did a bit of voice coaching with her like when we were deciding who we were going to work with and I did a little bit of voice coaching with her and she hadn't done that before but she was just so reactive to my advice you know, she just compl- she was like, "Yeah, I want to get better. I want to be good at this." And so, yeah, she was just that was that that was the reasons that we went with her. And I think curiosity, like a an ability to listen to someone when you're interviewing them and respond to what they're saying and come back with an articulate question. I mean, that's that's gold, really. Yeah, and and Emma has just such a different level of connection to sport in her work. Um, but also through her history, like through her playing uh, at an elite level with netball, and just the way that she thinks about sport is a different is is, is a next level for sure. Plus, mm. she knows 
a lot of people, so that was useful. <laughs> yeah. It does it does seem like she brings that athlete's mentality to how she approaches um, her craft of podcasting, which is which is yeah, quite fascinating we, in its own way. And I think that's why, and that's why she does so well as a performance coach. performance coach, coach yeah. performance coach. But yeah, she's um, yeah she's great, and I think we were really happy, really lucky to work with her. So you, you mentioned kind of her network of, of athletes and things, and obviously throughout this uh, show you get some really interesting guests on. What's what's been the kind of the the process uh, behind getting those, and is it a bit of a collaborative you know think tank about who you want to approach the the different fields of sports, you know, local and international as well? We do. We did a pretty solid developmental process, kind of looking at the whole um, series like as a slate and going like across this series, we want to get a range of voices. We need to get, you know, different people from different backgrounds and different sports and different stages of career. So we sort of wanted to make sure that across the whole season we had that diversity. Um, and I, I'm really happy with that um, in, in mm, the end. Yeah. You know, pe- people who are famous, like we wanted our Kate Campbells and our Shane Goulds and, you know, people like that, but also people we haven't heard of who bring, like, so much knowledge. So really we, we sort of went, okay, across the season we want that spectrum. And then with each episode, we'd go like, okay, what sort of people are we looking for? And we went like from a range of either reaching out to people on social media, um, connecting like all sorts of different ways. And Emma's connections brought us quite a few um, people as well. And sometimes, yeah, just cold calling, (laughs) cutting people down. (laughs) <laughs> we did very well on the guests. It's an impressive list. And also, I love the way that you were able to seed them out over multiple episodes and say, look, we're going to actually come back to this interview later on in the series because it's going to have different context, a different part of the part of the series. We also tried to just be a bit diverse with that from a sporting perspective as well. And it's not just like, I like this person, you like that person, and let's try to think about what a broader audience might get drawn towards, but not necessarily everyone's going to love that episode yeah like so for example like getting jose calder on who's um, thank you, you know, thank you <laughs> tip of our tongues we want to know about this <laughs> yeah i mean he's a massive massive name and um M- nba is you know still a really it's a big american sport in australia right but like, people know him yeah look we we're massive fans and it, it really jumped out i was like what jose calder on how's this happen yeah. so and it was very out of the blue just when you're talking a lot of sort of it seemed very afl-y and um aussie swimming yeah it was so afl-y that episode right yeah i mean and netball but um he's such an awesome guy too like our yeah our, all our interviews went for over an hour so and, and so he's only in that episode for maybe 12 15 minutes but um he was just so inspirational it was such a beautiful like really, maybe we should just release that whole interview because mm. he was—he had a lot to offer, um, and he's a really cool guy. We actually got him because we got him through Brenton Schwab. So Brenton Schwab is an Australian um, sports um, uh, executive, and he's part of the World Players Association now. So he's always sort of been involved in unions, basically, like sporting unions and and that sort of business of sport. And we were speaking to him for a couple of episodes. And um, he suggested, he said, look, Jose Calderon is amazing on this topic of COVID. So just in passing, like he said, look, I reckon you should talk to him. And I said, oh, okay, like you got a contact? And he said, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so Brendan Schwab's not in that COVID hubs um, episode, but it was just his, his, because he was part of the NBA Players Association at that time. Yeah. He's not anymore, he's doing some other work now. But um, so he was connected to Brendan Schwab through that. 
environment. So that was was just chatting to Brendan Schwab. It was wonderful, and his uh, beautiful Spanish lisp, really, um, or Barcelona lisp, wasn't it? Really, really just right. yeah, brought so much to the podcast. It was fantastic. Oh, yeah. And just his, his, uh, like his, uh, his ethics just come through so strongly, I think, yeah. Absolutely. Um, look, we'd love to talk a little bit about how this all came together, and we also want to have a chat about, I guess, your company, which is uh, Headline Productions. I guess a starting point, who pitched the idea to whom? You, how did it all come together? What's the, how do you get something like this up? It was a co-production between both of us. Originally, the, the idea was developed as a TV series. It was developed in a, in a sort of broad way and, and as an idea, not really as a, a deep dive into it. But as we went along and, and went through um, podcast ideas as we, as we built the podcast side of the business, we really just got drawn back to that as an idea and we had been speaking to Nick at Ranieri. Basically what happened was when I left the ABC, um, so I'd been at the ABC for a long time, made a few podcasts with the ABC and then went, I'm just going to do podcasts. I just, you know, stuff this news business. <laughs> <laughs> and you've been quite su- very successful at the ABC, just got to say. A couple of podcasts you did was uh, what Still Jill and Little Green Pod were award-winning. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, still Jill, we won, um, we won Best Documentary, um, yeah, and Little Green Pop was a finalist um, for Best New Podcast. Yeah, and I'm, I'm really proud of that work and, I mean, the ABC is an amazing place to work um, making podcasts, but I was also working in news and uh, didn't really love that, so was happy to be moving away from that environment. It's just as brutal, like the news cycle, you know, especially, and I was lucky I d- ditched out just before COVID, so I didn't have to do any news about COVID, mm. so that was a bonus. Jeez, that was a great time to get out of that because it definitely the format of news and, and the exposure and the saturation of it has, it's heightened for sure over the last couple of years. Absolutely. So I did the fires. That was my last mm. sort of thing. And then I was like, stuff this, fires, don't want to report on this. And then I missed COVID. So that was good. But anyway, I just did a post like on LinkedIn just saying that I was, I'd left the ABC and, you know, just moving into the podcast space and um, connected with a couple of people from Ranieri through that. And we just ended up chatting and they were like, look, we want to make some, some um, Australian content. Um, what should we work on? And I think there's been a discussion for a long time about that gap in the Australian market with sport. You know, that there's a lot of sport chat podcasts, but we don't have a 30 for 30 here in Australia at the mm. moment. And why, why not? Like, there is obviously an appetite for it. So that's one of the areas that I think Ranieri sort of said, look, we are interested in sport and Simon had already started developing this mm. idea for TV. And, and we were like, well, this is going to be, this is actually probably just as good for podcasts as it is. How do you find that, Simon? I mean, you're, you're, you've mentioned your TV background. Is, is there an appeal with podcasting for you and just a bit more of a kind of flexibility and getting stuff up and running point of view? Oh, look, I mean, um, I guess you could align my sort of experience in, in TV and film production uh, with Liz's experience in the ABC. There's a lot of great things about it and we had amazing experiences going overseas with film festivals and things, but at the end of the day, it's incredibly brutal like it's such a hard industry because of the the cost of production of and and there's definitely a bit of an old guard sort of leading the way in that industry where they where you know you've just got to work with the right people and it's it's really challenging industry and and so even with with the long haul we we've um co-invested in it but you know the risk is so much lower than anything you do in tv um and so for us, yeah, it was a, 
it's been a, not only a really good um, step for our business moving into podcasts uh, for, from a diversity angle, but also just from a, an ease of access to, to that sort of uh, production. And we've, yeah, we've been really, um, really had some really good experiences with it so far. So that's been great. Yeah, look, it seems to be a real trend. We're talking to more and more people. And look, my, my head of production, my, one of my business partners, Zanon, is from TV background. There is a bit of a club. Uh, people with the money in TV tend to be risk averse, um, which is understandable in the way that their performance is judged. Um, but look, there seems, seems to be an incredible amount of talent sort of gravitating now across from video into podcast production. And then I guess it's hopefully swings back a bit the other way where a successful podcast series becomes the source material for TV. So let's hope it all sort of keeps swinging around that way. We have yeah. seen that, haven't we, with yeah. um, like Dear John and... Mm. Yeah, Wondery really leading the way on that. I've done TV series in the past for ABC and um, my main sort of work was with film and developing film projects. So it was, it, it was another level, again, of difficulty <laughs> in the Australian market of getting, um, getting into the fil- feature film world. And, and I think it, and it's, it's changed so much over the last five, ten years in um, the way that that industry works with streaming. Yeah, absolutely. And look, that's a path we're trying to go down. We've got sort of four TV projects in development this year. Um, not all podcast related, but we're trying to lean on on that and see if we can build a pathway. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah, I mean, I suppose on that, like how do we talk about success for for the long haul? Is it something that you want to pursue beyond this season and, and bring out more of these or is it more of a kind of uh, a package series? Uh, I mean, look, there's certainly no shortage of stories to be told um, and voices to be heard. Um, and so there's, there's certainly rich, there's certainly, you know, no shortage of content that we could be sharing. And, and a lot of the time with these sort of projects, some projects you do and it's hard, hard work and it's um, challenging and rewarding at the same time. But this for us was just such an enjoyable project to do. Like it was a real passion project just the building of each episode and 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 development and design um is a really fun process so yeah we'd be very excited to do another another series okay that's interesting because i think it's episode four is the one where you talk about golfers and that was just a fascinating episode on these golfers who all went on these divergent pathways and the effects of covid etc but you ask the golfers about definitions of success and changing their definitions of success from over different parts of their career. When you started the yeah. podcast, this podcast journey with The Long Haul, did you have a different idea or definition of success to what you do now having completed it? I think there's just all different elements of success within sport and, and within life. Like, And so for me with my film background, I mean, I just could look at that as a crashing failure or you could look at that as, as, as a lot of the production work that we do now is based on exactly the same process. Um, and even the direction and, and, and development, I really love that episode. And I think we are very, very drawn to specific metrics of, around success by the nature of success and, and, how, and, and, and financial return. And I guess why I say that the, the long haul is such a, a passion project is because, you know, in making it, that for us is success uh, yes, in, a, in a lot agree. of ways just getting it out there is success and there's so many elements of that that are, are based on yeah just different different metrics of, of success i guess yeah 
It's interesting. Like when I'm doing podcast development with people, like, and they're, you know, so I do, like, people will come to me and say, I think I want to make a podcast, but I'm not sure. And I sort of take them through that process of, well, do you or, or not? And, and we talk about that, like what is success for you? Um, and, and for some people it is, you know, I just want to get one new client perhaps, like it's a business and they want to sell. So really they only need 100 listeners, right? And yes. out of those 100 listeners, one client and that's success. So I do think it's really important to be clear to be clear on that. Like I think it's a really good question because I think it's easy just to go success has to be 100,000 listeners per episode, otherwise we're a failure because that's what, you know, conversations gets and we have to be the best. But, you know, I just think that's not necessarily the safest or the healthiest way to look at it. Mm, completely agree. Ultimately, you want an audience to listen to your podcast. That's the main, the most important thing. Um, but there's a production side of podcasting and then there's a distri- distribution side of podcasting. That's very similar to film and, and television as well. As finding your audience and reaching your audience is that next step. Making the podcast is one process and so they're, they're sort of separate things in my mind i completely agree yeah it's it's interesting what you're talking about with the definition of success uh we doing a podcast for a i guess a strategy agency sort of part of a big ad agency group and it's sort of the top level where they're the intelligence part of the organization and look if their podcast gets 50 listens and those listens are key clients and they get one client out of it then this podcast is a success for them and mm. I mean, going on the content, that's probably what they're going to get in terms of listens. Will be for fifty to hundred people in Australia who are going to even understand or be, be interested in what they're talking about. So it is in, it is important to know what what you're trying to do, what the outcome is. Totally. I mean, isn't that the beauty of podcasting, right? That we can have that intimacy, and you can be really like really pinpoint. Like I'm working with um, ANU and UNICEF at the moment on a podcast for school principals in preparation for pop for. It. Are disasters. So saying, okay, one day your school may be flooded or your town may experience a bushfire. Like as a principal, what's your role going to be? So that's incredibly targeted. But isn't yes. it beautiful mm. that we can do that, right? Like, mm. you know, instead of it having to be a written document that they've got to read, they can listen in the car on their way to work. Like, Absolutely. Finding your niche. Also that flexibility um, in being able to produce podcasts that you want to produce is is great you know like for us with the, the long haul it, a, a passion project and we can produce it and and make it the way we want to make it um you know if we aligned with certain things or you know certain brands we may have had to make it a different way mm. independent digital media it's glorious and is that relationship with uh, Ranieri and Co, they're sort of more on the distribution side of, of the podcast and are they kind of a bit more hands-off in the production side and letting you kind of go about and bring this show together? Yeah, I mean, they yeah. were part of the development process. So, like, making sure that we were all aligned with the values and the focus and and certainly, like, we were, you know, con- like conversing with them about who we were talking to and stuff. So they weren't completely... Um, devoid of say any any say um, and, and we were they were giving us feedback as well like we'd send them rough cuts and stuff but yeah we did the production and they they were more involved in the in the distribution side so and it's so great working with a partner like Ranieri and Co have been fantastic you know because their Amazing skills guys. yeah their skill set's completely different to ours yeah. you know yeah. and how excellent is that right that's perfect and slightly different I imagine from working with the ABC <laughs> yeah, although, I mean, you know, the, 
they're also really nice people and so that's a bonus that's that at the end of the day that's what you want right doesn't yes just one last question about this sort of tv angle what would be the most translatable skill from tv production across to podcasting do you think certainly troubleshooting I mean, that's something like in TV and film, you're just constantly on your toes troubleshooting. So it means like podcasting, you you have to do a bit of troubleshooting, but you're you're totally good to go with that if you've worked on the ground in a TV shoot or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the stakes are maybe a tiny little bit lower. Yeah, it's like you're you're totally A-game on that. Yeah, and that gives you a a degree of flexibility that is, is quite enjoyable. And tell us about how the, the show's been received. What, what's the feedback been like from the audience and, and or the crowd, if you will? <laughs> yeah, I like that, the crowd, yeah. Look, re- like really strong. Like One of the things that we've been interested in is there's been a lot of women listening and loving it. Like we sort of thought it would perhaps potentially at first hit a male audience um, and then come to a female audience like afterwards. And we know that there's women are passionate about sport in Australia. Like it's not mm. like there isn't a massive female audience um, of sport lovers in our country. I mean, we see that. Um, but I think we just, I, I guess we just thought that that who would be Googling sport, you know, like who would be expecting content to speak to them maybe would be men. That w- Women might not expect to have content they could find that would speak to them, but actually they have. And um, it's pretty much 50-50 kind of split on that. So that's been great. And I, I just think um, people are enjoying the opportunity to get into their heroes' brains, you know? <laughs> like, yeah, it's the kind of humanity of the athletes. The humanity, mm. yeah, that's right. And it's so, because it is such a thing, isn't it? We watch sport and we have such high expectations of our athletes and we have such such sort of disregard for anything else that happens in their lives or we use it as fodder. We own them, don't we? Like we're so angry when, you know, say Sam Kerr misses the penalty, you know, <laughs> everyone just, even though she's kicked all the other goals and she's been our superstar, suddenly it's like, oh, she let Australia down. <laughs> like That's right. It was touched on in one of the episodes about, you know, in any jobs that we have, if you make a small mistake, that's not then broadcast across every news, you know, platform for the next 24 hours to a week until the next game is on. So, this, yeah, it's... Even some of the COVID stuff when they're talking about when they're in the bubble up in Queensland and, and partners being worried about being seen in a bikini at the beach and how that's going to be perceived back in, in Victoria, which is under harsh lockdown. Yeah. Incredible. I mean, I find that fascinating. Like, that's something I'd like to look at more is that whole, like, the um, the language, like the wags, mm. you know, that sort of way of looking at the partners of the AFL and the NRL players. You know, I just I just find that fascinating, like... What we did find in going through each episode was even though we did one particular angle, so, for example, a sports betting episode is really about the rise of sports betting and how it's almost equal to pokies now because of COVID um, in terms of spend across uh, you know, money lost. You know, but there's so many different angles in each of those episodes um, that you could have gone as well. Like, so with sports betting, there's the whole, um, you know, integrity of sport and the and the level of of um you know infiltration of sports betting into um you know match fixing and all those sorts of things you know drugs in sport for example like the mistakes you make for example if you take drugs in sport your career is completely over within seconds you know in any other career you know in the tv industry they live on drugs (laughs) 
that's the whole thing. You know? So, like, yeah, it's a different level of expectation. I think for the second series, you'd have no issue with finding more topics. So, in the meantime, before the second series comes out, I mean, are there shows out there that you're listening to that have inspired you? Do you have any recommendations for our audience for other shows? Obviously, the long haul first, but when you finish with that. <laughs> Look, I think for us, I mean, some of our inspiration was 30 for 30. I mean, if people have enjoyed the long haul, I mean, I presume they've probably listened to 30 for 30. Um, but their episode, like their sort of deep dive series, like they're just insane, like the Sterling Affairs, and that's just incredible. And I think there's leverage for that in Australia for sure, like actually going into a topic and diving really deep into it. Mm. Um, Sterling Affairs is really good, isn't it? That's a Ramona Shelburne. Yeah, about the LA Clippers. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's, yeah I mean, they're they're very very well done. Like and the and the old the older series as well. Like their um, oh, what was it? The one about the yoga master Bikram Bikram, Bikram yoga. You know <laughs> that series. It's just, it's just next level, right? That's what we want to be doing. Like, and that's what I think we can be bringing to Australia more. That really documentary style kind mm. of. Um, inquisitive style of work, which, yeah, like 99% Invisible or Freakonomics or, you know, those sort of style of podcasts. Um, mm. that, that's what fascinates me because I, I come from a like a radio documentary background, making documentaries for RN and background briefing and stuff like that. So I just think there's this, there's real opportunity there in that space. And my brain is very fresh to podcasting. My film brain is so full. Of, of references and um, you know everything, so the podcasting side of things for me is is still so fresh in my head in terms of the excitement and the enjoy, enjoyment of it. I think you find we're finding a really interesting trend within society to, to just become so so fascinated with podcasts and and you know you're seeing it from younger audiences and people in their twenties, whole bunches of different generations really attaching to podcasts and the higher those the quality of those podcasts. The um the more they attach. No, agreed. I think it's there's the sort of authenticity of it. Those human voices being able to hear you know properly the story behind people and not be limited to these small news grabs and and however else you know you've traditionally heard about sports players or filmmakers or whatever the kind of genre might be or whatever their expertise. Yeah, or two ex players just chatting. Yeah, you know it's um that's great, but there's it's there's a few of them out there. So, any little final thoughts or pieces of advice for the audience out there, people who want to get started on their own show or maybe make a transition from one field into podcasting? I think the biggest the biggest piece of advice I would give to anyone who's considering podcasting is to really put some energy into knowing who you are talking to and and really connect with them. I mean, it is such a unique um, style of of media in, in its in its um, intimacy. And so it's really you, your voice and one person. So if you think of that for everything, so the amount of podcasts that have like, you know, say like really poor quality of audio or just not like really loose in terms of how they're connecting with their one listener. Like it's not, you're not, it's not a TED talk. Like you're not talking to a room of 500 people. You're talking to one person who's walking their dog on the beach or who's in the garden or who's, you know, making dinner and you're in their ear. Like you're inside their body, like, <laughs> like it's, you know. Like most people are listening on these little, little earbuds, but it is like it's so intimate and close. And I just think really hold on to that um, and and yeah. make all decisions based on that way of looking at it, 
rather than going, what do I want to broadcast to the world? And, you know, it, not being about you, be, be about who you're connecting to and what they want from you. Um, and I think everything, everything falls well if you do it from there. That's awesome. You've taken us from the inside of the mind of the athlete to inside the mind of the listener, literally. <laughs> well, thank you so much. It's been fantastic talking to you. Really appreciate the knowledge that you've shared with us. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Thanks for that. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.